This is the At 530 on Main podcast. I'm Sean Collins. And I'm Mike Davis. And we're here to discuss the convergence of digital and physical experiences in today's world. With Extend Group as an expert in designing online experiences and VPS Architecture, an expert on creating physical experiences, you will hear unique discussions on technology, theory, and more that merges our separate areas of expertise into one podcast experience. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy today's At 530 on Main podcast episode. And you flip it where you're spending more time here. Right. What are we doing? How are we getting here? And when you get to the middle, your decisions have been made and we're mm-hmm. moving forward. Yes. We're getting it done. Yes. Now it's like, again, it's Friday, goes out Monday, and we're still trying to make decisions that impact the design, cost of the project, how it's going to be constructed, mm-hmm. everything. It's like, this is nuts. Mm-hmm. I'm the only one going, this is nuts. <laughs> Everyone else is like, well, well this, you know, well, this is how we do it. No, no. You know, that's why we have the At 530 on Main podcast in the extension studio. What you've just heard is a behind-the-scenes look at what we're getting ready to take part in today at At 530 on Main. Co-host over there, Mike Davis from VPS Architecture. This is Sean Collins from Extend Group. And we have the pleasure of having Gene Rising in the podcast studio today. Gene is the process improvement manager at Metronet, a high-speed internet company here in Evansville. She is a certified Six Sigma green belt and will be completing her black belt certification at the end of May. She's also pursuing a project management professional certification, and she hopes to have that completed in December. She Loves all things process improvement and project management, as you've just heard. She is a resident of Mount Vernon, Indiana, where she lives there with her husband and her stepson, my alma mater. Go Wildcats! She volunteers. She's a big community advocate. She volunteers at Carver Community Organization and Leadership Everyone, where she's on both of their board of directors. She's a member of Altrusa and She is leading a project, which I know a little bit about and can't wait to hear where it's at today. She's uh, leading a project that is a community garden that will be in the front lawn of the C.K. Newsom Center. Welcome to At 530 on Main, Jean Rising. All right. Well, thanks. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah. Yeah. So... Altrusa. Yeah. What's that? (laughs) Okay. So it is a, uh, it's an organization that empowers women. Um, We support women's organizations like the Girl Scouts, things like that. But our main focus also is literacy. So interestingly enough, if you've ever been out to the state hospital and you've walked the storybook trail, Altrusa is in charge of that. So they work with the Evansville Public Library to get the books each month. And then we change that out for the seasons every month. There's a new book out there. Very unique experience. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So what's Metronet up to? High-speed internet, that's important today? It is so important. Yes, yeah. we provide one gig, one gig up, one gig down, which uh, you don't hear a lot of. Yeah. So we've got a little niche there, and uh, we provide that. Unfortunately, not in Evansville. Yeah. Uh, Vincennes is kind of the closest that we have, but we're growing by leaps and bounds. Uh, we just purchased the Evansville Courier and Press Building. Okay. We're going to redo that bad boy, and it's going to be amazing. It's Are you just- taking the entire facility? Is it all for 
from yeah. Metronet. Uh, the only part that uh, Evansville Curry impressed us, they still have a, a small part there. They don't allow visitors, so you can't just go there and pay your bill or anything. Yeah. But they have their small circuit, you know, department up there that, you know, does the local Evansville news and turns it into Louisville for publication. But other than that, Metronet has the whole thing. So I've been in charge of the warehouse, and that's been my black belt project. So the old printing press area, which is, I don't know, 55,000 square feet or something, we're turning into our Metronet warehouse, and that's been my project. And then on top of that, we've got our office, uh, moved some of our offices over, our call center's there, and later on, we're uh, going to have marketing and some other departments moving in. So we're excited and just love the bones of that building. That As an mm-hmm. architect, you have to appreciate the bones of that yeah. building. It's really good. Now they've let the, you know, the roof and stuff go, but we'll get that all fixed. Yeah. Can't imagine when, uh, well, I've been in there a couple of times, but when it was in its heyday of actually everyone read the paper. Right. And how much space they actually, I mean, there's a lot of space. It is And huge. a lot of people had to be involved, obviously. But to see it just dwindle to probably a few offices is Yeah, crazy. it is. It's a, just a piece of its former glory. But Metronet's going to move in. We're going to vamp it back up. We're going to make it ours. And it's going to be a wonderful uh, building when we're finished with it. So I'm excited about that. So are you going to have an ex? Extension of the community garden there. Are you going to build a garden there too? Well, I'm not it's quite close. I know, and I've we've talked about you know whether I was going to ask if they would kind of sponsor the yeah. above ground <laughs> piece of it because it's right there. It'd be great for our associates to yeah. take to just you know cross the street and have lunch and things like that. We haven't quite gotten that far yet, but uh, there's a possibility of of a partnership. So tell us a little bit about the community garden program that you're looking at the CK Newsom Center. I know that's been going on for a couple years and it started out as a small little idea, right? What right. Just, what you thought and then boom, like yeah. All kinds of organizations, all kinds of community input. Mm-hmm. What's going on? Is it still the learning garden? It's still going to be the learning garden, yes. It went through a couple iterations. You've kind of spoken to that. We were going to have just a small small garden, and then we uh, partnered with Evansville Water and Sewer and was able to leverage some grants that they have available uh, from the government for stormwater uh, diversion. And so we worked with USI, they who did the original plan and then we worked with Easley Engineering for the final which was submitted um, and accepted as a green infrastructure project. I guess we're coming across a few stumbling blocks right now with it because construction cost has has went up and there's so much going on in Evansville right now. We're finding uh, it really hard to find somebody that can come under bid and still leave us enough for change orders. So, you know, if they only come $10,000 under bid, that doesn't really help us. Um, So uh, we're going to be looking at some different avenues going forward to try to get this funded and, and, and actually built. But it's still on the table. We're still working on it and it's going to be beautiful and wonderful when it's done. Absolutely. Great things don't happen overnight. So you're going through that process and uh, we thank you for that. So you're also wearing a, a favorite color of mine today. It's orange. What, what's that about at the office? <laughs> so uh, Metronet partners with uh ARC here in Evansville, and they have their associates are here working in our warehouse learning how to perform different functions in the workforce. And with that, uh, they they told us that this is a Disability Awareness Month and that we, they will wear orange on Fridays to support it. So I am in orange today with yeah. my orange tinnies and everything, <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, 
As you can see, Jean is a, a community advocate, but she's also involved in many things that are our experience. And that's what we like to talk about here at, at 530 on Main. Infrastructure with digital, digital mixed with infrastructure and buildings and how that whole mashup is occurring and actually how all those things get developed. The processes are all also coming together in process management. You said you're uh, green belt right now, but you're mm -hmm. going after your black belt. Your project is the building. So mm -hmm. the word experience, what does that mean to you? I think experience is something that you can touch and feel and be a part of. Um, if you don't have all of your senses engaged, then how can it truly be a true experience? That's very interesting because uh, we had that before, all your senses. Yes. So what's a place? What's a place? What's an experience that really – where you said, hey, all my senses are engaged here. I'm really feeling what I would determine as or say as an experience. Well, I mean, I guess there's a few places. You know, there's been – we went to uh, Costa Rica and when you're in the jungle and mm -hmm. you're like oh, – you know, sights and the sounds, yeah. you can hear the birds, you can hear the monkeys, you can hear all of that. And it just engages you and gets you um, really excited. And then there's other times where it's been a more of a quiet experience that, you know, like a some sort of getaway. So I've been to we've had some a few spa experiences that mm -hmm. were that type where it was more subdued, but it just um, really invigorated you and put you on a path. And then there's been buildings, too. I've walked in a few churches that you just look up and you're like, wow, look at this architecture. Does it just you would love to just get up there and be able to touch it and feel it and, and check it out um, because it's just so awe-inspiring. Yeah, and how they did that. A lot of times it's like, how'd they do that that <laughs> yes. long ago? And today we can't even build a little park without it being over budget and I cost this much money. How much did it cost back then to do all the detail work? I always had worry to do? about how their scaffolding was built. Like how can how safe could it have been? That was an experience all in its own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was didn't an have adrenaline OSHA, junkie. You know, that, that didn't happen. No. <laughs> Just hang off the building. It's okay, this rope will hold you. Don't worry, dude. We got you. Right. We got you. So we were joking as we came into the podcast and I said, you know, all this process and all this stuff, it, it's just stripping away the, the human experience. You were, were discussing that a little bit. So how do you see the Black Belt Six Sigma certification helping you improve your customer experience, your personal experience on how you would, you know, attack the future? And is it really assisting the end consumer? Do they understand what's at the end of that tunnel when, and everything that went behind that? Well, I don't think that they will ever understand everything that goes behind it. So when you when they want their product to work, they want their product to be uh, reasonably priced, all of that, you know, they want the special features, those types of things. So I'm not sure the end consumer really understands what goes into to make that. Like, I don't know on my iPhone, I want certain things, but uh, I don't know what it took to get it there right. kind of thing. However, I think that, you know, process improvement and um, project management, the Six Sigma uh, methods, all of that um, have the consumer in mind. The point is you want the best product or the best process improvement so that the end consumer gets what they want within their specs. So within, you know, Six Sigma, we talk about the upper and lower spec system 
spec limits, the voice of the customer is yeah. huge. And that, that's one of the things that we do in the define stage is trying to find out what is the voice of the customer so that we know going forward what they are expecting from us. And um, it's interesting to turn that from a, you know, a manufacturing spec into, you know, what I do, which is internet, but it can, it's, it's done. And if you listen to what your customers want, you, you try to give them that. Well, you can't give them that if you don't have a clear understanding of how to get there. And all that process improvement is, all that Six Sigma is, all that your project management is, is to follow a certain set of tools till we get to the end and so we clearly define what the customer wants before we start building that or making it. Yeah, so you just went through like a, a whole thing on when we, we talk about before you came in, we was talking to Mike a little bit about another project and a lot of individuals like to think about what, you know, the branches and the leaves of the tree. Mm-hmm. And that's all their foot. Like, what is that last thing that I touch? How quickly can I get to it? But what you're really talking about is processes that gets to the core root system mm-hmm. of the plant, mm-hmm. right? Like that becomes part of the culture, which at times may seem like we have all these steps and we have all these procedures that we have to go through. But at the end, it's creating a holistic root system that, that allows not only the end consumer to enjoy that product, but the team that's actually developing it. Mm-hmm. actually has tracks, rails, everything that makes their jobs a lot easier. Some that go through it in the beginning say it can be difficult, but as you start to be involved in it, you can get more done. Productivity, right? Right. And, you know, you've got a lot of stakeholders riding on this. So you've got your, you know, the people that are investing the money. You've, of course, got the consumer, but you also have other stakeholders you have to take into consideration. So one thing about all these processes is that it it takes all of that and looks at it, makes sure that when you're in the design and planning phase, you really do have that good root system. You've got a strong trunk that you can build off of to give give the finished product. And it's strong enough that later on you can take that root system and that trunk and then you can grow other leaves and grow more branches and so forth. And if you don't have that strong, if it's not strong there, then you have to go back to the drawing board and do it again. And how many of your investors want you to go back to the drawing board and start over from scratch again? No, they want you to build off of what you already have produced. Um, And they paid you for. Yes. Yeah, mine's always a building analogy. (laughs) Foundation and structure. Yep. And what does nobody care about? Foundation and structure. Right. But I can tell you if that's not solid, you're going to see cracks on the drywall. You're going to see cracks in your nice, pretty lobby. You're going to see cracks in your marble. You're going to – all the stuff. But the only thing people want to pay for is when I I listen to you talk about, you know, all the underground stuff that has to happen in a park. Right. To make that happen. Mm -hmm. Well, no one wants to write a big – here's $500,000 to pay for that. Mm -hmm. But my name – no one's going to see that. I want to see the pretty stuff. I want want my name on the pretty stuff. Right. I want to see the pretty stuff. Mm -hmm. A lot of times people see the pretty stuff at the end and they're like, your job's not that hard. Look, you paint some walls. (laughs) What? How hard is it? It's like – I don't think you guys understand all the stuff you don't see mm-hmm. is what we do. Right. Right. We got to make that solid. And I think that uh, really that's with everything. 
Um, yes. You know, I walk into a building and I'm like, oh, look how beautiful this is. But mm. I never think about the foundation. You know, you would take your, your Internet and say, oh, I love this, you know, having this high speed Internet. But you don't understand how much it goes into building underground and how yeah. we have to connect to poles and we negotiate, yep. you know, with uh, different. Uh, where you're cutting yes. through land yeah. and property. And, yes. and, oh, who are you fighting locally that doesn't wants to keep you out because mm-hmm. they are, don't offer that good service. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, they so, lose, so there's that, a lot of that. You know? Yeah. But I think that's with everyone's business. You right. Know? Unless you know it very, you know, intricate, intricately. You know, oh, it is. And then, and then you're always fighting, you know, when we talk about processes, well, I've done this for 30 years. <laughs> that that's great. But you're like, you realize <laughs> that we could be 10 times faster if we do it this way. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, pro- one thing about process improvement, we thrive on change. And if you're going to be in our department, then you have to be an instrument of change. And that's painful for people. That's very, very, very painful for people. A lot of people like to say, I know how this is going to be done. I know what I'm supposed to do every day. And that's great for me. Well, that won't work in process improvement because what we're doing is we're saying, okay, that worked five years ago. That worked 10 years ago. But the climate has changed. And we have to evolve with that. And so then you have to be that agent of change. Not only do you have to, you know, follow the right steps to to try to implement that change correctly, but then you have to talk people into understanding that we're not changing because they're doing things incorrectly. We're changing so that we can all be better and then we can move into that next step of whatever it is. Yeah, and that's a exactly where our profession is right now. It's like trying to get people to understand we're, we're in a constant state of change mm-hmm. and improvement. I think when I started, it was, oh, we go through this pain for a year, but it's going to last 10 years. And we just sit back and do this. Now, I mean, if you're not changing yearly, if you're not adapting mm-hmm. to what the different clients' demands are, because our clients are changing faster than we are a lot of times, we're not keeping up. We got to get into that mindset. We got to keep up, which means you've got to change constantly, right? We got to look at every product. Oh, that's great. That worked. We got to reevaluate it. Mm-hmm. You'll become obsolete. Yeah, exactly. And think about, you know, uh, Metronet in, in the fact that we're in technology. How fast is technology changing? Yeah. We are always having to look ahead. Well, and I we're mean, always doing the, you know, less, less, more. With less fee, more with less time. More mm-hmm. okay. The only way you do that is look at your internal systems yep. and processes and constantly improve them so you're taking out all the fat. Yep. Right. I always put it in steps because we work on the computer and programs. And when I go to someone, they're like, step, 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 ten steps. I'm like, okay, look, I'm gonna help you. I'm gonna get it down to two for you. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I I know how to do it in ten. Like when they really fight you and you're like, but here's how you do it in two. No, mm-hmm. no. That really, you can see them, how uncomfortable they get. Right. And you're literally saying it's two steps versus 10 steps. I'm saving right. you right. like literally like you 10 do minutes. five times as much. Yeah. Then. I'm saving you like 10 minutes every yeah. time you do this right. and you're, you're fighting me. on I don't. Mm-hmm. So the people have to be on board. And that's and it's hard to be an agent of change. It It really is. You have to be so diplomatic, and you have to learn the people that you're working with in order to be that change. And and the the whole project process that helps because you do learn 
by working with them, how tolerant they are of change or how tolerant they are of certain aspects of the project. And then from there, you can figure out a way to sell it. Yeah, so pretty where, much selling so it. <laughs> I think you've already answered this, but where do you start? Like when you, if you were, hey, here's a brand new company. Who do you start with? Where do you start? Do you start looking at all their systems or do you start with the, the people? You have to start with the people. You have to interview the people, get the voice of the customer, find out what the temperature is before you go into your project. Because if you're just going to look at their systems or for you, you're just going to go in and you're going to build them what you think that they want, you don't know. Is this a consumer or a customer who they like an older style of architecture? They like the newer modern stuff. They hate beiges or they love browns or whatnot. And, and if you don't know that you can't provide what they want and you're just spinning your wheels you mm-hmm. have to start with them plus they have to believe with their whole heart that you have their best interest in hand and if you don't have that with them you'll never ever ever sell right. them what they want or you'll never be able to give them what they want <laughs> although never even if you give them what you think they want they won't like it yeah. because they don't feel like you ever listen to them right Listen, we didn't have a voice. We didn't have a voice. It's interesting that you mentioned technology and how quickly it changes. I have been on that ride for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And and I have, over the last year and a half, two years, said, you know what? The front is there. And being that agent of change is very, very important on that it once was all about the tactic. Like it was like, oh, we're going to be innovative by having this awesome YouTube channel at one point, you know, mm-hmm. and getting to uh, a million and a half views in nine months. And then we're going to create this iPhone app and then it's going to link to this CRM tool. And all this is going to create all this process. And we're going to have all these late. And it was just this to this to this to this. And when you see all that innovation happen and you're a pioneer or a creative, which mm-hmm. basically represents less than 9% of the population. And you lead teams that are typically 60% nurture guardian. Mm-hmm. And they don't understand what in the world it is that you're talking about. Like you're on your, you know, as a pioneer creative, typically you're on your tippy toes. You see the future five years out and immediately it's all done. You can, that experience, you can smell it, you can see it, you can taste it. The whole thing is done in your mind, but there's all these things. So my thing is now going back into organizations and say, you know, bleeding edge is great, but how much of of that bleeding edge is sucking the energy out of, once again, going back to that root system? Like, Mm -hmm. how do you create processes internally that champion the people who are actually making the end product. Because like you said, that person that goes, I've done 10 steps my whole time and like this is the way I do it and individuals not liking change. How do you go about it on a daily basis going in saying you need to change? How do you keep the team engaged there while at the same time thinking about the end consumer who wants that yesterday? Wow. So that I think is the biggest challenge today because there can be too much technology or too much change. So again, having to go go in and find out who your consumer is and also who your team is and how they work is the best way to start. That doesn't always solve everything because some t- people have to be 
you have to force them to change because you have to move forward. And sometimes um, that's that's really not easy to do. But you can implement change in many steps and get there. And I think that is sometimes where people go wrong is they say, okay, we're going to change this. And then the people that they're working with aren't on board to make this huge change when they could have went to them and said, hey, you know what, we're going to do this in phases and we're going to implement phases of this to get to the end product. Mm-hmm. We'll eventually get there. But you that in that you implement change a little bit slower, a little piece at a time, and then all of a sudden people come around. And I think that's where, um, again, you have to know who you're working with. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of when you talk about change and we talk about this with Sean and stuff, like the root going back to the root system and people don't see that. They don't see it growing up. They want to see the leaf mm-hmm. and, and just like a plant. It's like, well, wait, we planted this like three weeks ago. Where's the leaves? Mm-hmm. Right. Where's the leaves? Why in this tree 40 feet tall? Why in the, it's like, we got to scrap it. We got to move on. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, wait, you didn't even let it get to a point where it could start mm-hmm. growing right. and implementing it. Before you're ready to throw it out. Well, we celebrate the small wins, too. So that's big. My my, uh, report to a vice president, my vice president, and uh, we have a meeting with the steering committee, which is all the senior executives, every month. And we bring our small wins. We bring our just do it. We bring everything to the table. We do pictures. And we're like, hey, you know, yeah, my warehouse project started May of Mm -hmm. last year, and it's not there. But every single month, we bring them up to date on, hey, look what we did. Hey, look what happened. We're, We're still moving forward. We're still... And sometimes it's just that communication of the steps along the way that gets everyone excited. And before you know it, you've been an agent of change. You've changed everything. But because you presented it in small little pieces as we went along, they didn't lose interest in the fact that, you know, I'm putting racks on concrete. I mean, it's not yeah. the most it's not the most sexy thing that you can do is install racks on concrete. But I bring it to him in a way of saying, hey, look, you know, your warehouse is coming along and we did this this month and we did that this month and and that helps to keep them engaged and yes. accept change so baby steps a lot of times mm-hmm. but keeping the so momentum. a lot of meetings keeping yes. the momentum keeping the uh the staff everybody engaged mm-hmm. not through hey look we're done right but hey look how we're getting there yep and the journey along the way is Mm-hmm. Is important. Mostly with your stakeholders, I think, you know, because they can lose interest so fast. Um, you know, maybe not even your end consumer as much as your as your internal stakeholders or the other ones, the ones financing the project or the ones that are supporting it and giving you the re- other resources that you need, um, whether it be functional managers along the way, mm-hmm. just making sure that they know, hey, this is what you're contributing to and this is where what we've done this l- last month um, and giving those other updates um, and we find you know slide presentation or hey come come look at look at this or or whatnot seems to work for us right. so everybody's a little different yeah tony robbins listen to his podcast a lot and they're always you know one of his big thing is we grossly overestimate what can be done in a year but extremely undervalue the mindset of what the five-year approach looks like mm-hmm. and and the ability to say, we can get this done today. I get it. A lot of organizations are run by the spreadsheet today. It's ROI. Tell me what we're going to, you know, shareholders want to know what they're going to get this quarter on dividends, all these things. But when you you look at, we got this done, you know, 
we broke all the rules. We did everything differently. We went out on the limb and we did change, but the individuals on the team, you know, 72 hour work weeks, you know, Mm -hmm. not being at home, not recharging, you know, not having, being in that proper balance of 70, 30, 70 being what your, your nature is Mm -hmm. that what I'm supposed to do. And then the 30% is just that continuous drain on the battery. So it's very interesting on what we can, like you said, those baby steps and how we can like take that time to evaluate those and be able to look at the big picture and, and always come back to that. As we get into more of the podcast here, I mean, you're in high-speed internet. Like, mm-hmm. what's your consumer experience today with your customers? I mean, is is it face-to-face, people still wanting to call the 1-800 number and, and talk over the phone? Or, or how are you making that end consumer know that you're there for them? Kind of both. So what's interesting about our company is that we do believe um, that that personal touch is uh, still important today. And we have high speed Internet. Mm -hmm. So we're uh, there's a lot of, you know, um, of suburbia that wants to have that higher speed. Uh, We've got hospitals. We're going into like uh, Minnesota and we've got uh, a lot of universities. We have a lot of universities in Lexington and Lafayette and things like that. So we've got a great mix. So we've got those that are on the ground. They go to go to the house. They put door hangers and say, hey, you know, we'll come out and we'll evaluate. We'll we'll talk to you, Um, you know, door knocking. But then we have the universities who could care less. The students could care less. They want to come. They want to pick up their thing, take it back to their dorm room and plug it in. Mm -hmm. So we've got both. So we do uh, blitzes at the beginning of the school years where they're like, hey, we've got your kit. You know, they signed up online, just like, you know, you would assume that someone, Mm -hmm. you know, that's in in, uh, going to the university would do. They sign up online. They stop by, grab their kit and head out. And the personal touch is, is so quick. It's not, but they don't want it. They don't want to have any more than that. They're they're busy. They just want to get home and they want to. They they just care about their experience once they get everything plugged in. Yeah, they're dealing. I mean, it's just like my Apple Watch. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we're all accustomed to. Oh, I'm going to push the power button. I'm going to pull up this app. It's going to scan. Mm-hmm. You know, the digital code that's right there. It's mm-hmm. going to set it up and it's going to know me. Mm-hmm. So how do you, when like on my router at home and I know I'm supposed to be getting 500 down and Mm -hmm. my son's yelling at me upstairs going, I'm lagging because she's playing Disney plus and like all this (laughs) stuff. And I'm looking at, you know, my, my router and it's saying I'm supposed to get 500, but I'm getting like 358, you know, and I'm calling customer support and I'm, uh, how do you manage that experience. Well, we actually have a whole call center that takes care of, you know, running through normal things like restarting your router, your other equipment, you know, if you're, you can't get the television to work, did your grandkids play with the input selector and it's on, it's on component instead of HDMI or whatever, you know how that goes. Uh, So they, we, they do that, but we also are uh, known for our truck rolls. So we, we love, love that personal experience. So we send a lot of techs out to kind of come to your house and help you with those on a regular basis. Mostly, you know, if we have non-tech savvy customers, Mm -hmm that really need that extra personal touch just to make sure that they understand how things are going. A lot of it is um, just um, customer um, education. 
uh, because of the fact that we are a high-speed internet, the expectation is that they will always have, you know, one gig up and one gig down. We know that in reality, that's not always going to happen because if they don't have a router, of, you know, that's able yeah. to have one gig up and one gig down all day long, they can test it. And it's not going to be right. one gig up and one gig down because they don't have a router that can handle it. So it kind of depends on what equipment they have. And so we have to do all that. And it's just some of it's just education. So I'll take it. One, I'll take Sean's question. Bump it one step forward. Uh-oh. The okay. future. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of desert out there, right? Internet-wise. Right. Yep. How are you guys planning for that and preparing? And how are you looking to go into those and get, you know, high-speed fiber and high-speed internet to everybody that might be in communities where they don't even have it now, you know, or areas where they don't have it now, but they really want it, right? Those, right? Those consumers are really kind of demanding it and mm-hmm. at the state level, at the local level, everywhere, and even federal level, but there's a lot of, I call them internet desert mm-hmm. that still, still exists, which would be shocking in 2020, right? When we were going to be flying up. to Mars. <laughs> I, I I hear the podcast. I hear the community discussions and being the, you know, creative pioneer, futurist. Like, I, I'm amazed to hear that there are still internet deserts. But how are we getting there? Okay. Well, first, I live outside of Mount Vernon, and there isn't a whole lot of internet available. Now, if I was on the north side of the road instead of the south mm-hmm. side of the road, I could get internet. I could get uh, cable. Uh, I cannot. So uh, I have a microwave internet here in Evansville. There's a local microwave internet. So I get that internet, which is actually... How's the food taste? Yeah. <laughs> it's actually pretty good internet. Um, you know, yeah. I've got my Roku's on it. Yeah. I've got the Xbox lags. We're kicking people off here and there. But yeah. it, for the most part, it's pretty good. So I understand that there, there's still internet deserts because I can get satellite, which goes out every time it rains. Mm-hmm. I can get this microwave internet, which is uh, fairly reliable, or I can just uh, get something from AT&T that runs on the cell services. So it's, those are my like three options uh, right. where I am. So I completely understand. Uh, it's it's tough. Um, building is ex- extremely expensive. Fiber optic yeah. um, is extremely expensive to build. And then so then you have, a, have to have enough consumer base. So I really don't have an answer for that right now. Um, I think that the local and state governments are going to have to get involved um, and incentivize some more of this to get that infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Because what happens happens is you don't have the infrastructure so people don't build but you can't build the infrastructure because you don't have the money until the people get there so it's like a catch-22 in a lot of those areas so i really do think that um you know in order for us to move to the next level and and cover those deserts you're going to have to have the local governments involved and help incentivize bringing someone like metronet in so as we talk about technology and now now we've heard uh cast some of the things you use on a daily basis at home. What's a product that you use or something you use that's well-designed, you think, that really well you – whether it's hidden or whether it's like, I can't live without this because it's – Gosh, there's so many things that I feel are well-designed, uh, like my toothbrush. I love my toothbrush. I, it's so weird, the way it fits in my hand and the way that it fits in my mouth. And so, and I know there's got to be a lot of innovation that went into my electric toothbrush, yeah. you know, or my powered toothbrush. I just love that. I go, I uh, went on vacation and I, I don't like to pack it. It's a little heavy and, you know, packing and all that stuff. So I just took my regular toothbrush. I hated it. 
I absolutely hated going back to a regular manual toothbrush. So, for example, I mean, it's a stupid example, but it is an example of something that I use every single day that I really found yeah. that I can't can't live without. Can't live you know, without. Just the way that it's it works and it's designed. You know, my phone, you know, I just... You leave your phone at home and you're like, oh, my God, I'm on my phone. You know, what am I going to do? How am I going to – it is my little computer and I've got everything on there. Mm-hmm. And I know it reminds my watch. It hooks my watch and it reminds me when I have my next meeting and all of that. Like a few minutes ago when I was like, uh, i got to go now, guys, because I have to get down to 530 on my right. right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Going back to one of the, the projects – that you're, uh, you're championing there at the Learning Garden. How is that experience going to impact the community? What's the passion that started that? What was the experience that you wanted the community to be able to see? Well, I love fresh food. I love gardening. I love canning. I don't have as much time to dedicate it at, to it as I would um, like to, but I want that same experience for the downtown area. There's not a lot of green space down here. Uh, so having um, somewhere where you can go and you can picnic, but also where uh, there's uh, some gardens and I want those gardens to be uh, edible gardens. So we've, uh, the whole premise is, you know, uh, kind of uh, teach them to fish. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. is that, you know, don't give them fish, teach them to fish. So uh, that's kind of the premise of the garden is how can we teach um, children or young adults or even older adults how that they can garden in small spaces. So the gardens are going to be raised gardens and most of them are going to be edible. And we're going to have, I do want a few uh, pollinators because I think we lack that downtown too, Mm -hmm. but for the most part edible. So I want um, nonprofits to, I want Businesses to sponsor the gardens, nonprofits to uh, build the gardens each year and take care of them, tend them, and grow their own food and teach their constituents how to use that food. And, you know, I can, you know, my vision is, you know, under there's going to be supposed to be a pavilion. So if we get the pavilion built, you can have small cooking classes underneath there, mm-hmm. preparation, or you just, um, that type of learning and teaching um, under the pavilion using the food that is grown right there. That'd be cool. So there's internet deserts, there's food deserts. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, community just coming together. I'm just drawing a little process in where they all intertwine. Like there's a lot to be said about, you know, knowledge is power. So being able to know how to grow your own Mm -hmm. food in a food desert, if you don't have the internet connection to be able to connect on, you know, what is this? How is this? Where does Mm -hmm. it come from? All those things. So food, having the, the wonderful connected areas downtown. So there's a lot of things that the consumer can have and can be influenced in both your programs and what you're looking to build for the learning garden, as well as how do we get all this connectivity? Like, Mm -hmm. is there anything consistent in developing processes for all that stuff? Wow. Uh, That's a big question. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Should we back just a little bit? Um, I don't know. What do you think, Mike? (laughs) That one I have to throw your way. Now, the whole time Sean was talking, all I'm thinking about is, wait, gardens? Internet, they're Deserts. they're, they're kind of two different things, right? Because I, I look at it from a patience. Kids today 
Where, where's my video? Wait, Aaron, that's not working. And then you go to a garden and it's like, plant it. When's this going to be done? Because my parents had gardens mm. growing up and you plant it. And what? Watermelons. You're a month. You're a few weeks. You're, it takes a while, right? You got to be patient. You got to cultivate it. Mm. I think it teaches you something different. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it teaches skills that, that we lack. Just Just the outside. Gosh, when we grew up, we just went outside all day and figured out what we were going to do as opposed to just looking it up on the internet, right? Mm-hmm. So well, I think I've been to schools where you're talking about that, like the education of this is a tomato mm-hmm. and the tomato shows up in packages of three wrapped in right. saran wrap on styrofoam. Mm-hmm. Like some youth today believe that's that's the way it shows up. Right. It's like a set of Nikes right. that just show, shows up from Amazon. Right. They have no clue on the process. Mm-hmm. So the education of even getting to the end is somewhat similar in that, you know, what that building is going to take time. Those racks being in place is a champion part of that. And it seems like there's just there's a lot of connectivity on just how we can educate one another and have some patience and go, how are we managing those expectations? And, and what is that doing to us personally, emotionally and and how is that helping the community as well as it's helping our team, mm-hmm. which actually they're all one. Yeah. And I, right. and I guess to Sean's point, it's like I even think like younger generations, influ- it's influencing them on bigger levels, mm-hmm. even political. Like it's not that simple, people. Like, right. Everything is not that simple as going to the grocery store and picking it up. It's, you know, oh, we're going to get rid of my biggest example was always the wooden pencil. Mm-hmm. Right. And I heard that back in economics class in college one time. And I was like, that's great. We're going to get rid of wooden pencils because it's going to save trees. And they're like, great. But the lead that goes into that pencil, it's refined here. It's brought here. That's X amount of jobs. Mm-hmm. The wood is one piece of it. But now you have the little metal band that's done over here, refined mm-hmm. here. And then eraser. And it's like, okay, you're going to get rid of the wooden pencil. You're going to save this many trees, but you're going to eliminate thousands of jobs right. in five different countries. Mm-hmm. And, there, you know, a lot of times people are like, that's a wake-up call. Like, oh, it's not just that simple. Right. Right. It's very complex. And it takes time. And it takes involvement. And it takes community. Right. But there is a software as a service program out there that will calculate that right today, right? Oh, I'm sure there is. <laughs> That's the thing. We can get anything instantly. Yeah. You know, Amazon now, you, you order it today, have it tomorrow. I mean, in some areas, probably Louisville being one of them, you could order it today and get it today. Yeah. You know, uh, during the Christmas season, I had stuff showing up uh, all hours, like 7 o'clock at night. They would ding dong, ring my doorbell, and my dogs, blah, blah, blah. But they would, it was Amazon dropping something off, you know, uh, Sunday. You know, yeah. there's just, it's just, uh, it's we're in an instantaneous um, era right now where things uh, are expected to be instantaneous. And it is correct, you know, bringing these processes back and, 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 you know, any project that we're working on, we've got to slow everyone down long enough to do the planning, to talk about it, to, and you're right, there is a patience that goes along with it. And you'll come across it a lot, you know, when you're, when I'm working with, you know, our newly hired interns and things like that, you know, about they want to, you know, get it done and show you that it's all done and you're like, uh, that's not, I, I yeah. really wanted you to do it right. I wanted you to do it completely 
And I didn't really want you to skip all those steps. I want you to take think the time. Think about it. Yes, let's think about <laughs> it. And want you to learn from it because just, right. you know, throwing it on the table doesn't really help you to do the next one better and, and find process improvement. And me correcting you. Right. There's no process improvement right. there, you know. Right. It's just you're you're doing a task and you're going on to the next one Yeah, and instantaneously. I get that too on home projects. Oh, I got to go to Home Depot. I'll do that. I'll take care of it. Oh, I got to go to Home Depot because I'm missing this. Yes. Yeah. You know, you used mm-hmm. to tanker. Well, the more times you drive to Home Depot, the more you start to think through the next home improvement project. Like, okay, do I have everything I need? Right. Mm, let me make sure. Then I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Get everything I need. Still might be a trip to Home Depot, mm-hmm. wherever. But the patience, it's like, you're finding more and more of the patience. Like, get it done. Right. Well, okay, getting it done just doesn't. If they want to, they want to get to the next level. Yeah. They want that quick win. They want to, you know, beat the boss and you know whatever it is that we, you know, the video game analogy kind of thing. Yeah. And, and sometimes that's not the best way to to go into process improvement or to build my garden or to, uh, you know, uh, yeah. build a building that type of thing. Is that instantaneous like response killing creativity? It is in a way, yeah, because if you creativity takes time to sit and and think a little bit about where you want to go, and if you don't have that time to kind of marinate or meditate on it, you can't open those pieces of your of your brain. You're just quick sol- problem solving or putting a bandaid on something. You're not actually creating something new or or fixing it for the long term. Yeah, and I always look at it as you know when, we, when we're talking about processes, we're talking about leaning things out. Mm-hmm. Mine is always the junk that I have to deal with. The simple questions that. Mm-hmm. Well, you should know the answer to that. Hey, go back to the, hey, look in the drawings or like simple right. stuff that mm-hmm. you're taking up my time because it's your time to come to me. Mm-hmm. It's five minutes or more of my time to explain it to you. Mm-hmm. Then I got to go back. Now I got to get back into what I was doing. You know, you're constantly doing that. And if you're doing that every 30 minutes, mm-hmm. creativity doesn't happen. Right. And efficiency doesn't happen. Right. right. Because you're you're spending more, you're spending half your day on inefficiency. It's very interesting. You're talking about two entirely different voices of the five voices. So you're talking about process improvement, take this thing out and, and do it. And then you have, or which will improve in efficiency, which will get you a product faster, or it'll be a result on the bottom line and all those things. Then you have the individuals who actually have to practice said improvement. How much in the middle, like there's 60% of these people that aren't really heard in that, that have to go through that change, that communication, how much of their input that actually happens in the middle, the stepping stones between the gap, how much do they need to be involved in this process? It's 60% of people that are in here. Like if you're over here, it's like 23%. If you're over here, it's like 13%. So we're like, the 60% is often never heard in between that, and they can tell you how that's going to impact a culture, how that's going to impact uh, employee relations, customer relations, the whole thing. How much time in the middle is built in for that? 
because it's not a 30 minute meeting, right? On a Friday right. afternoon. That, yeah. And we're going to get it all figured out. No, it Start can't Monday. be. It can't, <laughs> yeah. it can't be that. It can't be that kind of quick. And there you go with wanting that instantaneous type of, no, you have to take your time and talk to everyone and get and allow them to have their input. I, for example, I have a employee who's very reflective. So we were at a meeting and they were like, okay, we want to change this. We want to do this. We want to do that. And uh, how would you feel about if we change, give you this task and we move this task to a new person? And she's like, "Um, I don't know how I feel about that right now. And they were like, well, we kind of need to know. And so I looked at him. I said, she's very reflective. Let her come to you on Monday with this answer. Is that okay if you come to them on Monday with the answer? <laughs> yeah, that I would feel better about that. All right, guys, she'll come to you on Monday with the answer, and you know we can go from there. But we do have those people, and you have to recognize definitely a nurturer. You, like yes, yes. Of I want to listen to. I I do have some things to say, but I may not want to say them right now. I need to come back. I need to think about that, or the creative voices like that as well. But. It sounds like when you, you say that, it sounds like it's a, a nurturing voice that really is thinking about how it's going to impact mm-hmm. not only her as, or him as an individual, but how it's going to impact the team and then the overall experience. Correct. And then to say, we need to have this done at, right at this time, you know, mm-hmm. but the client or your leadership team's going, deadline is this Friday, got to mm-hmm. be done. And do we do it right? Do we do it fast? You know, the mm-hmm. three. So... All right. Deep stuff. Uh, <laughs> we said that we would get there in the beginning. Yeah. Um, well, we'll start to wrap up here. We always ask at the end, what's your person, product, or brand that's really doing it right when it comes to experience? Like what comes to mind when you say this company, this individual, this thing is just doing it right all around? Wow. Personally? Gosh, I'm going to have to say right now, Amazon. Yeah. I, I just, yeah. I love, I don't, I, you know, I'm a lady. I love Amazon. <laughs> um, it's great. You know, and my husband's like, you mean we can order stuff on my phone? And I'm like, yes, mostly <laughs> stuff show up in my cart. And, you know, it's so nice. It saves me so much time. It's just, I, they, they're just, for me, they're doing it. They're doing something spectacular. So, you know, we've now got Market Wagon where I can order from different local butchers and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And then that gets delivered to La Compriana. So that's amazing. So the Amazon started and now people are going to, and it's just so convenient. Walmart now and so yeah. Sam's, you can just order it online and, and have it ready for you to pick up or have it delivered. And I don't know, I think Amazon started Or you can just speak it now and it's delivered. Uh, you don't even have to push the button. You can drive it down the road and Alexa, mm-hmm. yeah. buy. Yeah. yeah, off my list. I love list. my Alexa too, but yeah, well, that's voice, the- and then you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like you said in the last podcast, you know, maybe that algorithm is going to be yeah. there by Musk that says. It just shows up before you Coming, even yeah, know you, you just need think it. about it. I think right. I need soap. Oh, it's, oh, ordered. Soap. it's ordered. We're ordering soap. <laughs> soap is there. But yeah, yeah I think Amazon uh, has started a revolution. As a community connector, is it good um, for the ecosystem? Maybe not as much. You can recycle those boxes, though. All right. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you see it? Pops in my head, though, that stores, I think Toys R Us is playing around with it. Yeah. That it's a store that essentially they'll have one of everything. 
Mm-hmm. And if you want it, you scan it and, they, and then they ship it to you. Mm-hmm. You purchase it and ship it. So having that physical experience, because a lot of times on Amazon, it's like, ah, do I want this? It's only got three stars. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is this junk? Mm-hmm. Is it not? That's are why these, I go to Best Buy. Are these I wanna, reviews I real? I want to use it. Oh, I do the yeah. same thing. I, really? Well, yeah. when Toys R Us was here, I'd take my son and then be like, I want that. And the first thing I do is go to Amazon. Oh, it's $5 cheaper. Order. You know, for here's yeah. so to me, I'm fascinated if if it goes to that like that way or trying on clothes that you go there now, and it's not eighty sizes. Clothes and shoes, right? That you have to go and touch, feel, put on. But see, instead yeah. of having a back room full of stock or right. all these racks, you got to go through. They it's have, very simple. Yeah, they have all just three sizes yep. or whatever mm-hmm. sizes. You try it on. You want it. Scan the tag, it's ordered, and it's shipped to you. I can definitely see that. It's fascinating to me that that could be because I think there's just some things you can never get away from. Right. Physically handling before you buy it. I agree. Because I don't want to go the hassle ordering three sizes of shoes and sending two back. I just don't. Mm Mm-hmm. I have to agree with you there. But I do love the convenience of being able yes. to say, hey, I want, you know, yes. some Clorox wipes and a... Oh, you yeah. Know, what you use every day right. can show up. And yeah. I can bundle that. And right. I get this savings. My husband's like, uh, Sam's delivered. I'm like, yeah, that's our toilet paper. Put it up on the shelf in the garage. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we need a bigger house to store our Amazon stuff. Well, you're eventually going to be able to tell the FedEx. Well, I mean, you can already get into the garage now, right, through the app. You can come in the garage. They'll eventually just go in through the garage door, third shelf on the right, put it right there. Yep, put it away for you and everything, right? Well, and then probably from as an architect, security standpoint, you're going to have these, what, male vestibules in your home where they have the, they could go in, but they can't. Get into the rest of your house. Right. Yeah. Just a bunch of shelves, packages, just like a business. Take yeah. out your packages you want to return and yeah. put what you bought on Yeah, it the looks shelves. like the hallway down the street yeah. at the Meridian Plaza or yep. whatever, where all the Amazon packages are just all piled yep. up. And it, We have that in our uh, office and, uh, at Metronet there on 3701 Communication Way. You yeah. walk in, there's a little there's a little sign-in kiosk, and if you're um, delivering, then there's delivery and there's pickup, yep. and you can't get into any other part of the building. It's right. just a secure Perfect. little vestibule. So what's the thing that you're looking forward to experiencing and being a part of in 2020? Oh, wow. Uh, Well, there's a lot of things going on. So it's just more of the community feel. You know, we've got Celebration of Leadership coming up, which I absolutely love. I learned so much about the community. Um, So I can't wait. Um, That's just coming up in a a week or so. It's like 1,700 people in a room, right? I know. All about positive vibes. It's just, you feel so positive, so you can't bring up the, the, you can't bring up the cloud hanging over. Yeah. The country, right? Right. The C word, don't say that. Well, but I think that that's good. We need yeah. to have a way to kind of take in everything that everyone's doing around us um, that's positive. We've got to have a place for that. And I think that, that that's what the celebration leadership is absolutely wonderful. So I'm, I'm going to enjoy that. I've got a few concerts I'm going to, which I uh, cannot wait. Well, I'm, we're going to, uh, I love Shinedown. So we're going to a little, a little concert uh, next month in uh, Louisville. 
and uh, it's going to be just a little theater, kind of like the size of the Victory. Oh, nice. It's going to be real nice. Yeah. And, you know, we went to the Ford a couple of times. But the one I'm really looking forward to is uh, Matchbox 20 is back on the road with the Wallflowers. Yeah. And so we've got tickets. <laughs> and it's just like a bucket list thing. Yeah. You know, like I have all of their albums sure. and even his solo stuff, Rob Thomas's solo stuff. So I'm really excited about that. So I'm just, I like to have just a little bit of a wide variety yeah. for, for 2020 for me. How do the listeners connect with Gene Rising? Oh, wow. How do they connect with Gene Rising? Obviously, you can email me at uh, the risings at uh, sitco.net. But I also have um, a web page, thelearninggardenevv.com, that you yes. can go to and post questions and stuff for me about the learning garden. So those okay. are the main two ways. But I'm also on all the social media. So, you know, LinkedIn's always a good place to connect. What's your favorite? What do you use the most? Snapchat. All right. <laughs> Is that bad? <laughs> <laughs> no. You know, where is it? Okay, so yesterday we I flew to Lansing in our and it was a little our little company jet or whatever. So you have it's so it's smaller, so we had to put someone up front. So I've got I got to wear the little co pilot yeah. thing and so my my boss in the back was saying, "Pay attention to what they're." I'm like, "I'm Snapchatting," and I was busy. Snap. I was, you know, you had to do a selfie and post yeah, on Snapchat, right? right? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So wrapping up here, any any final thoughts about the App Five Thirty on Main podcast? Oh. Anything that uh, we didn't cover today that you wanted to get into <laughs> coming in here? Uh, nothing that we didn't cover, uh, but this is a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank this you. is a great podcast. So. The point. It's supposed to be a great experience. <laughs> yeah. It is. There we go. We uh, ask the listeners to uh, give their insight as well. Please like, share, comment, one star, five star. It doesn't matter. Uh, we want to know how we can make this better. So, Gene, thank you for taking time out of your day to come to the App 530 on Main podcast here at the Extension Studio. Mike, thank you as always for being a great co-host here, and we will talk to the listeners soon. Gene, thank you for being a part of it. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of At 530 on Main, hosted by Sean Collins and Mike Davis. Please leave us a review and share your thoughts on today's episode. Let us know how you've been inspired or what you would like to hear on future episodes. And if you've enjoyed the conversation, help us spread the word. Share us on your social channels. Message a friend. Rate the podcast. Without you, this experience would not be possible.